0: this is up for a chat with your hosts cindy o'meara and kim morrison
1: here we are up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you inspiring you to awaken the change within i'm cindy o'meara
2: and I'm Kim Morrison, and we are super delighted this week to bring to you an exceptional soul, the amazing Charlie Arnott. Oh my gosh, what a privilege to have you here, Charlie, an award-winning grazier from Burowa. Gosh, don't know how to say that, being a kid. Burowa. In Thank you. An Burowa. incredible educator and passionate advocate for regenerative farming. Welcome to Up for a Chat.
0: Um, Cindy, Kim, lovely to be here. Um, yeah loving your work too all the wonderful things you you girls are doing in the world and yeah honored honored to be on the show well let's
2: get into it I know that Cindy's had a boy crush on you for many many years (laughs) but perhaps for the listener who has not ever come across you or maybe even understands you how would you define or describe Charlie Arnott and what led you into this amazing work that you're doing
0: uh well, define myself not 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 terribly good at that. Um, I guess quite by accident, I think, um, if I fast forward to, to now to, to now, um to describe myself would be, you know, a, a, an advocate for regenerative health and lifestyle and, and food, production and and farming generally, um, and environmental sort of stewardship. That's kind of where I've landed, but certainly not by Um, not by design, Um, I I guess just through my love of nature, my love of farming and probably my sense of curiosity and um, in in some ways probably stupidity, Um, you know, just experimenting. I'm not saying if you experiment, you're stupid, but, you know, I've done some really silly things that sort of, you know, led me to this point um, a lot of those were farming related and food production related, and um, so I guess that's where I am now. And and, and you know, of my own podcast, Regenerative Journey, um, and we do education and we we teach farmers biodynamics <clears throat> and, and by running courses um, on farms. Um, and I guess that's where we are. How I got to be where I am now, and it's a it's a you know a lengthy story, but I'll give you the abridged version. Um, conventional farmer. Grew up with a, in a farming family at Burrawa in sort of um, southwest New South Wales. Uh, very conventional farming, lots of chemical use, lots of input, lots of output, sheep, cattle, crops, hay, all sorts of enterprises and, and probably a typical sort of farming um, business at Burrawa. Um, and, you know, I went away to school. I didn't necessarily study. I did study rural science, actually. Um, so I was always... I guess, destined to be a farmer. I didn't really think about doing too much else except for maybe being a vet one day. Um, But, you know, took over the family farm after being to university and doing a few other things. Ran it in that same vein, you know, very um, conventionally for a number of years. And then sort of got to a point where I was just not, I was getting a bit sick of waking up every morning and going out and killing stuff. Um, I didn't really think about that in those terms at the time, but I when on reflection, that's pretty much my job um pesticides, herbicides, you know drenching animals, um, yeah, I wasn't working at all in sync with nature, um I didn't consider nature as my business partner um and I just got really curious about alternatives or so I knew I didn't want to be doing that anymore, and I was then started searching for you know were there different ways to do things. Um, with soil, with land, with animals, um, and interestingly enough, with people too. That's a really big part of my regenerative journey. Is kind of who I engage with, who I surround myself with, the education and training. And so I did took on a lot of training in that field. With started with um, Resource Consulting Service Australia, did a series of their programs, and have ever since then kind of made a conscious effort to exposed myself to all sorts of different you know alternative ways of farming biodynamics took on a big role in, in our farming sort of um uh way of doing things early on there um we we try you know biologicals we bit of subtle energy sort of stuff where we we try a bit of everything and and by no means are we the best in the world at it i I'm, i I hazard you know I just want to make that clear where I consider us as a as a as a bit of an experiment. We're much bigger, much more than just hobby farmers. We're we're serious farmers, um, and you know we're in the process of really you you know consolidating all our learnings to, to create a a, um, a a simple model for farming that that works with nature at low cost and um, growing nutritiously dense food. So you know that's that's where we are. Um, again, you know one of the the key. I guess the things about what we've done, and everyone does in their life, whether it's farming or whatever business they're in, and family relationships. You know, we make a lot of mistakes, and um, uh, failure is a part of that. And 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 you know, that's where that's where I've done most of my learnings. At the, you know, the, the dips in the in the in the challenging challenging times and areas of of my my regenerative journey. So that's they're not to be shied away from. They're actually part of part of uh, the growth process.
1: Charlie, what was the defining moment that turned, like you, you, you said that you, you know, went to RCS and but there must have been a reason for you to question. Was there a book, a person, uh, a, a questioning that cr- turned you away from what you were doing, killing everything, um, to, you know, having nature as your partner um, and your best business partner? Do you know that that where that moment was,
0: Cindy? I, I, there were probably a few moments um, where were quite defining. One was one was watching a paddock blow away in the wind one day. I remember the paddock clearly. I knew I know what sheep were in there. I knew what you know that what what led to that that point that day. we were feeding them grain, and I was, <clears throat> you know. I was um I was a bit upset about watching that that dirt, that soil blow away to New Zealand is probably where it ended up. You know, beautiful basalt red soil. And mm. and I really that was like a smack of the face going, that's that's kind of my fault. You know, like I put those sheep in there, I got that paddock to that state. That's you know, so called my soil or I'm responsible for looking after. That's heading to another country and and um that was a Probably a defining moment. That was. That was definitely. We we had. Um, there was probably quite a few smaller smaller ones. You know, there was a few pretty tight years there with the millennial drought in the early two thousands. Um, there were you know trying to work trying to you know I guess balance work life work and you know life you know that balance if there's ever if there's a, even such a thing. Um, I I guess in in meeting my wife angelica that kind of which was just after the beginning of my journey you know she really enlightened me to organic food and you know i'm a farmer who's doing you know reasonably good things on farm but i was probably my diet was okay but i wasn't buying organic food so there was it was probably a combination of a number of small little nudges in that direction and then there were a few big slaps in the face and and one of them was watching that that paddock um that paddock blow away and i guess looking at other farmers doing different things and going wow I, sh- I should be able to do that you know i've got you know same sort of soil or grass or cattle or whatever There's there's something there's something in this and and um i think i did get a bit of chemical um exposure i, I can't put my finger on it i i actually don't need to take myself off and have a you know heavy metals toxicity test at some point but i you know there were times when i didn't feel very good, and I, I reckon it was related to the chemical use we were using. So all these things added up to, you know, a move in that right direction. And the interesting thing was there was all these reasons to get away from, but as time, as things developed, you know, there was more and more reason to move towards something. You know, there was a push away from what I was currently doing and there was an attraction and there was a draw towards these, you know, these different alternative farmers to these different information, to, you know, doing things differently that was really attractive and I was really curious and I was like, wow, this feels, it feels good, you know, and it, and it sounded and it smelled good and I, and I love the people that, that you know, called regenerative agriculture, attracted, you know, wonderful people that that, um, that I just thought, wow, these, these people are courageous and and I think I can probably give us a crack as well. I was
1: listening to a podcast and um, the, it was the nephew of JFK Um, the ex-president that was assassinated and he was asked the question, what was his most, not defining moment, but um, what would he say was his best quality? And he said, I'm inquisitive. And you've said that quite a few times. You were questioning, you know, what was happening to your soil and you are around a bunch of people that are now questioning the narrative of pesticides and herbicides and fertilisers and artificial inputs Um, in order to increase yield so you know courage I really believe now is defined as questioning what is happening around you Um, and it sounds like nature was your definitely your nudger as well as your wife I didn't realize that so that's just that's wonderful to hear Charlie that you had quite a few nudges to to move you and uh, for me I'm so glad that um, I met you and what I've learnt from you, and one of the things that um, I happened to be able to do with you for two days was the, the biodynamics course. Can you explain um, to the listeners what biodynamics is?
0: Okay, um, I should be asking you, Cindy, as a student, uh, a graduate of the course. Oh. That'd be that'd be a great little test, wouldn't it? No, I won't. <laughs> I won't put you through that. Um, so, I guess biodynamics is. Um, yeah, you know, call it enhanced or, or 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 advanced organic farming. Um it's it's there's a there's a science or or a sort of a, a substance side to biodynamics, which is um, you know, we use um a lot of well, all our products that we use to make different soil um soil preparations or atmospheric preparations are all natural, their rocks or their 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 herbs, their plants or their manures. Um uh there are microbes in the in you know in the manures and so on, so we we are we're, we're, we're working with the biology of 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 you know we're bio we 're working with biology we're working with minerals we're working with um, uh, a lot of ingredients you can get off your own farm um, and there's in terms of the substance that's a pretty you know um, scientifically kind of um, ob- objective way to look at farming you know the the ingredients so to speak that goes into a compost pile or or, or a soil preparation, it's manure and it's basalt and it's eggshell. So we're looking at a at a sort of a, um, all those things come together in various forms to create um, an enhanced fertility um, around a composting or a composted kind of a, a preparation. So there's that, su- that sort of substance part of it. And then there's a bit more of the spooky wah which is really about tapping into um, the cosmos. So, you know, just as a simple way to ex- explain the relationship that, that we, the plants, the earth, you know, soil, animals have with the cosmos is an example of that is that we're all probably pretty familiar with is, is the moon. You know, once a month the moon is full and, it, and, and also another time of the month it's, it's new. And then these, especially on the full moon, there's lots of things that, that you know, in our, in, our, in our bodies or in, in yeah, behaviour animals or um, different sort of rhythms of the earth. You know, you can see the way you know the tides are obviously one of the most obvious ones. the 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 uh, the, the moon has an influence on it, and so too um, in much more subtle ways, but equally as powerful um, are the other other planets. And so, what we're doing by using biodynamics is opening up essentially pathways for um, that influence to 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 occur on on land. You know, there's so much more, so much more, you know anyway pick a pick a park in a city or a farm you know there's so much more going on that we can't see and yes there are plants and animals and soil and trees and air and all that sort of stuff but there's you know once we sort of again get a bit curious and and um, maybe do some reading and maybe just sort of you know have an open mind and maybe you know meditate or maybe just sitting quietly there's one can get the sense of um the unseen or 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 subtle subtle energies that exist there. You know, we, in biodynamics we talk about um elementals or nature spirits and and, and their their entities, their little things that that uh, are, are in in the in the, in nature, um, that are there to help and and you know, in fairy tales they're called fairies and arms and elves and all sorts of things and there's other ways to describe them in biodynamics, but um you know they're there to help, and 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 I'm a I'm a scientist by trade, but I'm pretty open-minded, and you know I'm really glad that science doesn't have all the answers, um, because if science had all the answers to everything, then life would be very boring. And I, I love that there's um, there's room for farmers to be creative. There's room for farmers to um, explore the unseen and and, and the are the, really the true essence of nature. Um, which is there, and there's many layers of them. Um, I'm no expert in all that, by the way. I, I'm, I appreciate it. Um, I, I kind of do my best to engage with those unseen sort of things. And so, back to maybe back to the question there, Cindy Rudolf Steiner, just to the foundations of biodynamics in, in uh, 1924, was asked by a group of European farmers to sort of help um, help them because they had. You know, spent some decades using the MPK kind of theory of of um, fertility and 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 farming, where it was pretty much you know your soil's lacking nitrogen. Let's find a source of nitrogen and put it on, and and, and phosphorus and potassium and all sorts of things. And that's not how nature works. You know, nature works in, is is a as a, a you know as a whole. And the very objective way of thinking, oh, this is missing. I'm going to add it. Um, uh, kind of have an impact, but not long-term. And, and these farmers were finding that these techniques were were failing them after a while. And so Rudolf had a series of lectures um, in which he kind of laid down the, 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 not the rules, but the principles, the principles of biodynamics, um, how people fit into that, how it can help the earth, how it can grow nutritiously dense food. Um, how people can incorporate that into their lives and farming, how they can make them themselves. He went through the steps of making compost preparations and another, uh, another, a number of other preparations. And so, you know, what's it done for me? It's given me some framework for 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 healing my landscape, for having a relationship with my landscape. Um, you know, I, I grew up on our farm. I know every strainer and you know, straining post and tree and gully and whatever. And I know, I know the crimes I've committed in those paddocks are, are, you know, over many years of, of conventional farming. And and I say that because I consider them those activities when I was a conventional farmer to being quite, you know, counterproductive to building a relationship with nature. And and so now, you know, biodynamics is one of the one of the things we use, and we we make preparations, we spray it in our paddocks, which Helps to, um, you know, I consider it like an offering, like it's a it's a, an offering of love and compassion, and asking for a bit of forgiveness. You know, we get out there and we spray, spray. You mix these preparations up in water generally, and you, you, you spray them on paddocks, you know, by hand or with a with a machine, you know, spray units and things. And um, for me, doing that is a is a lovely way to kind of reengage with nature. And as I said, just sort of saying, hey, you know what, I've done some bad bad things year in you know years ago and my I'm resolved to help restore um that relationship and and respect and reverence and I love the ritual of biodynamics too. You know, we, we don't go running around on the full moon in the nude with pointy hats on like like lots of people would probably think we do. And I'm I'm a bit tempted to try it. But um the you know the main things we do is you know we make a lot of our own ingredients. We spray it out on our paddocks. Um there are different times of the year and the month to do that, um, and it creates a lovely sense of connection with, um, with one's landscape. That was a, probably a, lot, a longer version than I was intending to, but I hope that kind of gives people a sense of it.
2: It's certainly powerful. And, Charlie, there was a word you said at the very beginning, a couple of words actually. I'm I'm curious about this. Nutritionally dense food is what you like to grow, I happened to have to go to a supermarket the other day, one of my detesting moments, but I had to grab some tissues. And as I walked in, there's an aisle that says health food aisle. And then I questioned, well, if that's the health food aisle, what are all the other aisles? But it kind of drew my attention and as I walked up that aisle to see what they considered health foods. A lot of it was not resembling ingredients that we would put or use in the kitchen. So when you talk about nutritionally dense food and biodynamics, I'm curious to understand then if you're one of those farmers, what are the other farmers?
0: <laughs> what are they producing?
2: Yeah, and what's their philosophy if they don't understand this or if, are they of the same mindset of a health food aisle and all the rest? <laughs> I'm just curious as to what we, where we're going with what we consider nutritionally dense food.
0: Yeah, well, it's a great question, and I guess our you know nutritionally dense food for me is um, uh, primarily you know chemical free, um, so you're not you're not contaminating you know someone when they're eating it with God knows what. Um, nutritionally dense, so you know a tomato can look the same, um, you know two tomatoes can look the same, but one can be much more nutritionally dense, and the source of that nutrition is the soil. And so generally, you know, when I was, um, I'm really cautious and careful not to sort of um, uh, be critical of conventional farmers because I was one and I was, you know, as good or as bad as any. Um, and so, you know, I guess but when I was in the conventional farming mindset, I was a commodity farmer, so it was more about yield, you know, num- quantity, not quality. And so as long as I was growing, you know, as many tonnes per hectare as I could of wheat or whatever we are doing, um, that was our primary motivation and our measure of success. Um, I wasn't considering that I was actually growing food. Yes, I was growing food, of course, wheat is food, but you know, I wouldn't have grown, I wouldn't have made a loaf of excuse me, a loaf of bread with the wheat I grew because there was so much crap on it. You know, it's, it's even worse now. You know, in the last oh, I'm not sure about Australia, but you know, maybe in the last 10 years, I think probably worldwide, there's been a you know, a, um much more of a propensity for farmers to control their harvest period and they use glyphosate on on cereals to desiccate them so they can, you know, harvest them when when they want to. Um, that's like, you know, days before it's harvested and then it's 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 been consumed some months later by humans. You know, so that's that's a bit of a horror story right there. So um, you know, so nutritiously dense food, free of chemical generally if 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 so um grown in grown in in soil that can actually provide that nutrition because that's this that's the sense of quality of a plant you know whether it's eaten or not is dependent on the the, the quality of the soil that's the source of, of that of that health of that plant and the healthier the plant the more nutritious for a cow or a sheep or a human whatever whatever that plant plant happens to be so and of course with animals you know we grow beef and lamb they I, I suggest I, I, you know um that uh, a cow or sheep that's been eating you know nutritionally dense pasture um is it, it it can't but um, have a, be a better quality than something that's just been eating um a monocrop like oats the whole you know for for months at a time or has a much less diverse um profile of nutrients in it because of the 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 larger you know a biodiverse pasture has a large profile of nutrients. That's just the way it is. You know, the more plants in, the more plants that, um, are in a pasture that's eaten by these animals, um, the more nutrients they're getting and the less gaps there are in their diet, you know, the more they get, they're getting their full complement of, um, of nutrients. It's just like humans, isn't it? Like, you know, we, if we decide to just eat chips and, and Coke, um, that's not diverse. <clears throat> and the quality is very poor, and we'll get sick if we don't eat that. And we have a you know, large sort of array of different proteins and carbs and all sorts of yummy different things. Then we're we're covering our bases, and it's just the same with, with on a farm. It, it's really no different. And I love the fact that the human being, you know, in its relationship with its food, is is just the same as a plant's relationship an uh, animal's relationship with its food. You know, the source of that nutrients is the soil. Um, the better the soil, the more nutrient-dense that food is, and we we ultimately humans benefit from that whether we're eating plants or we're eating animals In, in when, when those plants and animals have been grown on those farms. So what are the other farmers doing? Well, they're just not thinking about that, and that's fine. I didn't think about it much either for years. Um, <clears throat> it's just a pity that maybe more farmers aren't considering that there might be some alternatives to what they're currently doing, whether it's less chemical, more biological sort of fertilisers. Um, not being caught up in those chemical loops of production and um, and and selling direct. You know, we, we sell our lamb direct to consumers via a butcher that we have a really great relationship with. Um, we, we love the fact that our lamb is going into the kitchens of families and um, uh, they know where the food's from. We know it's going to them. And it's at a good valued price too. I mean, that's, that's the thing, I think, you know, um, as as you girls know as well as anyone, the the world society is you know um, uh, overfed and undernourished, and that's that's just a fact. And I'm 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 hoping I'm contributing to sort of reversing that.
1: Wow. I know you are, Charlie. I, I you know I've listened to your podcast and all the people that you interview, and you're educating people in order to do that. And what I find absolutely fascinating is that farming is very much like nutrition in the, in the human field in that, you know, they weren't looking at quality and they're still not looking at quality. All they're looking at is yield. So how many calories does that food yield? And can I eat that um, versus my exercise? That's, that's what I find fascinating. And and it was like, I started my life as a nutritionist and then became interested in, well, how is my food being grown? And it sounds like you started your life, you know, your life as a a farmer on how it's grown, and now your interest in nutrition is obviously there because otherwise you wouldn't be bothered with, you know, doing what you're doing and and creating nutrient dense foods. And no. another thing that you keep taught, you said, have said quite a few times is subtle energy. I've I've written it down a couple of times now. Uh, I I have a question about that subtle energy. I was at a organic farmers meetup that I do with a bunch of Sunshine Coast farmers and they kept talking about some sort of energy and I don't know if you know is that what subtle energy is and where is farming going especially you know biodynamics is is one thing that I know you do but is is that subtle energy something that I don't know about and that you're mentioning and and I know you talked about the sun and the moon and the stars is it what is it that that's you're talking about when you say subtle energy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know the context of how it came up in your gathering the other day, but uh, knowing a few of those those who were probably there, um, then that that kind of makes sense that it did come up. Um, so, I guess uh, for anyone who wants to, to to get a bit of an understanding. Um, Uh, Terry McCosker talks about it in the interview I did with him on on on, I can't remember what episode it was on the Regenerative Journey. He's he's a bit of a master of it. He's been doing it for many years. I'm saying this now to sort of set up my answer. But and Dr. Patrick McManaway is another wonderful practitioner um, who is Scottish, but he sort of spends half his time in the states and half in, in Scotland. And he comes to Australia twice a year and does subtle energy workshops and different levels of. And so what is subtle energy? Well, for me, it's, I mean, energy is sort of hard to see anyway, and there's the energy that we're used to. There's the energy, in a, in a, you know, value of an apple and all those sort of things, and there's kinetic and there's potential and all sorts of different types of energy that we learn in physics at school. But there's also something that, I, you know, I guess it's a bit like quantum, quantum physics um, uh, in that it's, there's an energy in the landscape that is often residual um, some is some is um, it's un- you can't see it uh, really. I mean, some I think probably some people can see it. Some people are really tuned in can probably see lines of energy and rings of energy. Um, uh, some are some are a lot of them are natural. It's just the just a, the the way the earth is, um, and a lot of lot of man made. Um, I mean, you could you could kind of argue that a human equivalent of subtle energies like something like EMFs. Um, it's something you can't see, but it has an impact and they're probably the negative kind of subtle energies but the positive ones that we can tap into as farmers is if we have the skill and it doesn't take much skill to to acquire to douse to use a pendulum or a or a dowsing rods to tap into the intuition of of our our own knowing and um uh and ask ourselves questions which we can find the answers of that's that's kind of that's a tool to tap into subtle energy. So you can, via dowsing, it's called, and people find water for bore drilling and things with for dowsing. By, by using that is one of the tools um, to then ask questions of landscape. You know, um, finding out where ley lines are. Ley lines are natural lines of energy, and there's also um, rings of energy um, that emanate from different spots. And so you're probably familiar with, you know, Stonehenge and other sort of um, rock structures that seem to sort of pop up in strange places not pop up, but they 've been there for centuries and centuries well, and all the great churches of the world are built on points of energy because um, those great churches were built on the ruins of celtic and and sort of indigenous um, uh, places of or dare i say worship or, or reverence or sort of community which and and we 've lost the the art essentially to to tune into these sort of energies. But back then, centuries ago, millennia ago, you know, people, everyone, kind of had that that sense, you know, called a sixth sense. So, solar um, uh, energy broadly is 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 you know the unseen energies in the world that we, if we choose to and can 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 tap into with different methods, utilise positively. You know, we can we can we can um, by putting things like rock structures like the, you know, Celts and so on did at Stonehenge, you can create points of energy that are very powerful. And, you know, things like plants grow better on those areas. You know, Um, animals love, um, sometimes you see animals sort of finding, um, uh, you will find animals congregating in spots in paddocks all the time for no apparent reason. Well, you know, probably nine times out of of ten, excuse me, they're probably sensing subtle energies that are there and they just love being in those spaces. So my answer is probably not clear and I'm, I'm I'm probably not the one to sort of really step it out but it's 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 kind of it's really exciting I mean Terry McCosski said it's like the unknown or the, the 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 sort of the um it's where a lot of it, there's a lot of potential in it in agriculture because if we can tap into that, that subtle energy and and use it effectively we can grow a better food and we can we can treat our landscape in better ways and um we can do quite a bit with it again i'm no I'm no um uh, expert in it, I appreciate it. I do tap into it, you know, occasionally, and and it's something I'm very aware of. And it, it it it's it's um it's a it's a wonderful thing. I, I don't know if I've explained it very well, and it's it's probably one of those things that like hopefully people have found that you know uh, prompted some curiosity to go and explore it some more. And it's it's not for everyone either, you know. Like if twenty years ago, I probably would have said it's all bollocks and witchcraft. But, you know, now I've kind of eased my way into, you know, a mindset where I'm actually really open to those things and I actually love the fact that, again, as I said, it's not all explainable and there's so much more there that we can utilise in agriculture via nature that we're, we're not and we, and we can and we really should.
2: Charlie, you brought up something. Cindy encouraged me to read a book many years ago um, called Mutant Message Down Under. And in there they talk about the natural dowsing ability and and even that all humans are actually given this ability. Um, but we're not encouraged really to listen to that intuitiveness even in this day and age. But I remember there was a line and I might say this wrong, but it was something like footprints have vibrations. And that they tell way more than what is merely seen in the sand. And I'm just curious, then, from your perspective, um, Aboriginal trackers have been known to know exactly when plants and tubes and bulbers and bulbs shall be, you know, extracted from the ground just by placing their hand or feeling the heat or noticing subtle energy or, I guess, that invisibleness. And I'm just, if a land is filled with chemicals and sprays, and it must be incredibly challenging and why it would be such a disparity and such a significant difference in each of the types of farming. But if you're saying that all the nutrients come from the best soil, regardless of our natural dousing ability, I'm just wondering, is this a reason why fertility with animals and humans is an issue? Is it the soil that's stopping or the microbiome or having an impact on the microbiome, not only of our skin, but our gut? What's it doing if we don't have more farmers like you? How is this going to impact the fertility and understanding exactly what it's going to mean for our future?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, the uh, uh, Yeah, but my understanding and my experience... I guess given what you know the changes i've seen is that as um the more chemical we use the more the more the more chemical we use you know like herbicides and pesticides and um uh fungicides the more artificial chemicals we're putting into that they're they're artificial and they're i mean they're not they're very unnatural they interfere with the natural function um the natural processes and functions of soil and um you know they're there to kill stuff. Everything that's got a side at the end of it is there, is there to, to kill. And once you start, you know, making um, uh, changes to the to the balance of say the biology and soil by taking out some fungus or killing some of the pest, you know, there's there's real repercussions for that. So there's a ecological um, impact of 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 using those chemicals because they're taking they're taking something out a plant or an animal. Um, out of the system, out of that hierarchy of kind of of life, and you will have the consequences are you know generally probably bad because it's you know we're interfering with nature's natural function. Um, there'll be an imbalance, and so you take something out from you know there's a there's a hierarchy of pests, say, or insects, or, and you know from all the way from a eagle down to a a worm. Somewhere in there, if you take out um, an insect, then everything above that in the hierarchy um, will 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 fail because there's not, there's the food supply is reduced and everything below that insect will thrive and potentially be, be a, a plague, so to speak. So, you know, for us to think that we can kind of just play with nature with these artificial chemicals, which are all based on fossil fuels too, by the way. So, um, you know we, know, we haven't touched on the whole vegan debate about, you know, let's replace all the meat with plants and how are going to grow that with, you know, we're going to need a whole lot of fossil fuels burnt. To, to produce a chemical to grow monoculture like that no that's that 's a whole other conversation but <clears throat> so there 's that level of chemical use that interferes with um, with with animals and and, and plants, and then there 's just the interference in the soil and once that soil balances out then it 's not the, the, especially fungus i mean fungus is one of those things that is is probably one of the most important th- you know things kingdoms um, in uh, on the on the earth because it 's the it's the, it's, the, it's the memory and it's the transport system under the ground that supplies, takes messages and supplies nutrients to everything else under there, you know. And once you start interfering with that, it's no wonder that the soil's depleted and if the soil depleted, the quality of the food is depleted and then, you know, people eating that food are, are going to get sick. That's the end of the day. You know, they're not getting a full complement of nutrients. They get sick and that's wonderful. You know, that's a wonderful thing for those who who, who purport to be the, the 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 ones that have all the answers to, to to make people better with all their pills and things, you know. We know that um that's not the that's not the way to go. Um that's not that's not the way we do it. And and you know, the, the consequences back to your question there, Kim, you know, I'd love to see more farmers trying it, you know. Um and I, I guess it starts with what does what does it start with? Does it start with pain? Um, often it is pain that makes people change their mind, and might be financial pain. They might get sick themselves. Uh, it might be financial, uh, yeah, financial pain. It might be physical, their own sort of you know personal physical pain. Um, it might be landscape pain. Maybe they a bit like me. They get sick of seeing paddocks blow away in the wind. So. Um, you know, the more farmers, are, and I, and I don't support, I don't suggest people go cold turkey and go. You know, let's get rid of conventional and, and go to regenerative. You know, overnight. For me, it's about let's transition. People have got to be comfortable. They've got to kind of change the paddock between their ears, maybe first break a few paradigms down before they go and change what happens out in their paddocks on their farm. And you know, I don't know, I don't know who's really winning the race. To be honest, I, I like to think that more farmers are, you know looking at alternatives to conventional sort of ways of growing food, um, uh, you know, people aren't going into shops and saying, can I have more, you know, chemical lettuce and stuff sprayed with whatever, you know, in grocery stores. They're going and saying, oh, I want more of that, you know, that um, organic corn and, and the lettuce not sprayed with chemical. That's really positive. Um, that's great at that end of it, the eater's end of it. In terms of the farming situation, I'm sure there are more farmers that, you know looking to grow things um, in a more regenerative way, Um, that's fantastic. But there's still, you know, there's still a lot of farmers out there that um, um, I think could be doing a better job. And it's not for me to say they're bad farmers. It's just like I'd like to see, you know, at least look at it. Um, You know, we've got a webinar series that you're involved in, Cindy, coming up. um, That is a great opportunity for people who are curious about it, you know, farmers or not to explore the whole world of regenerative ag and soil and plants and and visions and goals and animal health and, you know, farm finances and human health. I think, you know, that's, I'd love to see more farmers get to, you know, webinar series like ours.
2: You've already said that, Dad. (laughs) He's my my biggest critic. Charlie, let's
1: tell people about what you're doing, your your regenerative journey and um, who the... speakers are because if there are people listening like and i know i have lots of farmers that um follow the nutrition academy because maybe their wives or themselves have started the nutrition program um and they might be really interested so who who are the the speakers that are speaking and what are they speaking on
0: yeah thank you cindy um so um nicole masters is kicking it all off on the 16th of august and so she's sort of you know world world world-renowned uh say, soil scientist. She is um, all about, you know, soil health and, and how that impacts um, uh, plants and animals and, and people. She's amazing. Um, so that's the 16th. And then Katie Zerner is from RCS, who I mentioned earlier on. Um, she's going to talk people through visions and goals and values sort of process. Uh, the idea of all these these seven sort of um, pillars, I, I guess they are, Cindy, is um, for people to understand some foundational principles of um, of regenerative agriculture and regenerative living. Um, it's and it's not just for those who are thinking about you know farming this this particular way. But I, I think it's a lot of value to to people to farmers that are um, already in the in the process and they just need a bit of a bit of a you know a bit of a g up and a bit of a refresher on a lot of these principles. Um, and also, I think it's probably quite interesting for people who aren't farming just to understand the, the machinations of and the the dynamics and the principles of farming because, I mean, you know, everyone eats food and, and to have an interest in where that food comes from and how it's produced and and, and the questions to ask um, of, of people when they go and buy that food, I think, is really, really important. So um, Nicole Masters, um, uh, Katie Zerner, um, Dr Shri Gooding, um, she's a, a wonderful vet uh, from Bilo Weather in Queensland. She's going to talk about animal health. Um, Kim Deans is going to talk about... Um, I'm just going to make sure I'm counting my fingers so I remember who, who <laughs> talked about. Um, uh, who did I just mention then? Uh, Kim, Kim Dean's Dean. going to talk on-farm on finance, um, which is a really important part of, of, of transitioning or just you know, any business, of course, um, keeping tabs on your finances. Um, Stuart Andrews is going to be talking about... Um, uh, pasture and grazing management and some, probably some decision-making stuff. He's a wonderful holistic management um, facilitator. Stuart Andrews is going to be talking about landscape function. He's son of Peter Andrews and is, a, um, you know, one of the pioneers of natural sequence farming, which is about re- all about reinstating the hydrology of a landscape or a farm. Um, and then I think this, I hope I've got my fingers counting here, Cindy, you're um, going to be talking about human health and the connection between, you know, Food, food, and farming, and, and human health, and decision making around that. So, um, I think I've covered everyone. I hope. Katie I Zerner. Know. What, Katie Zerner? Katie Zerner, yeah. Katie Zerner's doing visions and goals stuff there. Oh,
1: that's her. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I think i have got everyone there, um, and it's yeah. So we're covering um, soil, um, human health, environmental health, um, animal health, um, visions and goals, and. Farm finances. I think we talked about that. Business, like almost business, help, isn't it? So, yeah, covering it all. Um, the eighth, the eighth week is actually um, we've got a few, um, a few farmers, a few guests that are going to have a bit of a panel session, and they've been through a lot of these processes. They've, they've, they've sort of, um, you know, they've done some, some, some um, work with with a number of these different um, uh, guest speakers, and they're going to sort of talk about their journeys. And then on the thirteenth of October um we are also we're having a farm day so so we're only selling 50 tickets that that include to the webinar series that include the farm trip to the farm and that's down at burua and on that day we're going to be um having a feast with our lamb and our beef um we'll be doing biodynamic um presentations and a bit of demonstrations some natural sequence farming presentations um you know and, and and some general farm farm touring so very exciting. We haven't had a farm through at in for years and um, we're very excited to have, you know, 50 or so people there um, as part of the sort of, I guess it's the conclusion of that webinar series. So um, it all kicks off on the 16th of August.
1: Oh, sounds wonderful. I'm really looking forward to being a part of it. And another thing that um, we're doing together is the Festival of Food and Farming at the Changing yes. Habits Farm, which um, you'll be doing two days of biodynamics, which I'm very excited about. We've also got Stuart Andrews, but he'll be doing a workshop, not just on online, but he'll be doing a workshop. So mine's not online, yours is online, and I've got um, just people talking about centropics, and th- this is all part of this regenerative journey. And you've been um, a mainstayer in this, is, and I actually think a founding member of the of this whole thing, as, as well as RCS but you've just been incredible, Charlie. Your podcast is just, i got the best um, interviews and you really, I love how you go to them. You actually go and see where they live and what they're doing and what their regenerative journey is. So I want to thank you for helping people. Like this is, we're just doing a small chat with you now, but there's so much more that I know that you've got there, and I, I'm going to be um, really questioning you next time I see you on Subtle Energy. <laughs> <laughs> I just find I find it fascinating. I find what I find fascinating is that. It, Again, I'm going to say the same thing as I said before, farming and human health. So farm health and human health is almost on par. People go down the chemical route with farming. They end up on the chemical route with their human health. So they'll use drugs and chemicals and surgeries in order to get well. And sometimes we need them. You know, I'm. I'm not saying that if I have to have an animal survive because I've got to get a vet in in order to give them an antibiotic because they've got a bad infection, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to bring that vet in, but I'll often move that animal off my property. I will sell on wood, um rather than keep it there. But we we're not going to be cruel, and it's like humans. We're not going to be cruel if you need an operation or you need a medication then that's what you do. It's just that I think what's happened is that it's taken hold, that type of chemical farming. And I find it interesting that uh, drug companies are buying up agricultural companies. I find that even more fascinating. It's like they get you sick and then they get you well, well, they think they get you well with using medications. So how do you, do, do you see that alignment that it seems to be happening with farm health and soil health and human health?
0: Yeah, totally. I think there's a pretty clear line of sight. Just um, referring to you know the the you know people are getting sick, and then along comes the farmer, you know, farmer community. There's a pretty clear line of sight between that and the business model that exists there, like you know, sort of literally and also figuratively. That um, yeah, we we we're as far as a farming community and we, we were very much part of that you know we rely very much on the um advice of others and we still do to some extent but i guess we're a bit more discerning um and if have different filters but you know we would we're told and when i went to uni we learned a lot about this you know the use of chemicals in growing food and it's necessary and and you can't do it without it any, other, any other so you know the farmers are used to it. they've grown up with it it's a crutch it's it's a it's it's it does make it easier in some ways that like oh I've got the recipe I'm just going to add this at this time of year that's going to happen. Now you don't always get that outcome. Um, Hang on, buddy. You don't always get that outcome because um, uh, the um, you know nature comes along and will we'll always sort of give you give you a bit of a side bit of a side swipe. Um But you know the the uh, sorry I'm just distracted with my little boy there. Um, uh, that yeah, become, we've become so reliant on us, and that's, um, that's really dangerous because when we don't get the results that we, we think that you know the, the bottle told us or the box or whatever we did, then we're often left with, 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 without a mind that is willing to explore other things and look at alternatives. And so, you know, it is, it is quite concerning. Um, you know, there, I don't think you can be a conventional farmer and, and I, look, I'll tell you, there are some people I know that really struggle. They, 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 themselves are pretty fit people. They eat organic food, but they haven't quite worked out, and they haven't been—I won't say so courageous enough—but they haven't kind of managed to turn their farms, you know, and run their farms the same way. And that's quite ironic, you know. But, but because they find it challenging, you know, there's family members involved, and there's hey buddy. Uh, there's family members involved, and there's there's um, uh, you know, other 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 considerations. Now I'm just going to have to plug my my computer in before it dies, girls.
1: While you're um, putting your computer in, um, I I also see uh, um, the alternative way of farming, regenerative farming, and the alternative way to health uh, at odds with Um, conventional. And I think that that's what um, we i I'm when you're talking about that subtle energy, you've got me absolutely intrigued by it. Um, but I, I just feel that there's no science. it's it's unseen, and it, and science believes if it can't see it, then it can't be true. But I'm seeing more and more science around the energy. Um, so I'm hoping you know that it will catch up with what was probably, um, ancient knowledge, uh, as what Kim was talking about with the Australian Aboriginal people, it, it was ancient knowledge.
0: Yeah, I think um, it, it would be nice, and I think there's probably a bit of a dig around. I'm sure there's actually a bit more, do I say, science to it. A lot of the quantum physics stuff is probably once upon a time, you know, could be explained away as witchcraft, but I think there's more science around it now. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of anecdotal information, I think, you know, can't be ignored. Um, but look, you know, I guess a bit like biodynamics, it's a, it sounds like a bit of a cop out, but you know, because, because subtle energies and, and biodynamics, for example, don't necessarily abide by the same rules as, as say, so in a science experiment, you have got different controls and different sort of, um, uh, treatments, you know, everything stays where it is, but biodynamics has this tendency to kind of creep. Because it does, it is it doesn't abide by those rules of science, and and so it's quite hard to to do a very you know tight controlled trial with biodynamics. You know, like literally the stuff spreads. And but I would love if um, if there was more um, numbers around. Actually, there's a woman called Maria Thun, T H U N, who um, I think she was German or Austrian, who spent many years experimenting. She's got some great books and she was experimenting with the moon cycles um, and biodynamics. And it's fascinating what she found um, when planting different, you know, different um, vegetables and, uh, and, and fruits at different times depending on the moon and, and different constellations. And there, there's no doubt there's a, there's a difference. Like, you know, literally, um, yeah, it, it, there's, there's many, many photos she's taken of different, plants and, 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 and veggies, um, there's something, there's much more in it than just, oh, I think this is doing something, you know, so. Um, but the Indigenous, we have got so much more to learn from from Indigenous, not just Australian Indigenous, but anyone around the world, they, they worked that muscle. You know, they worked that intuitive muscle. They depended on it. They didn't have technology like we do now, and, and that was, it was, and it was normal. And um, I think we still got the, we still have the capacity to, you know, go back to the gym, Go back to the subtle energy gym and start working out and start you know um, working that muscle. And um, it's just a choice, isn't it? It's just like you know, are we courageous enough to step into that. Get a bit curious. Maybe go with a few friends. You know, like find some people who are doing similar things and and, um, and step into it lightly. But it's um, yeah, we can chat. We can chat further about that. And and and, and uh, as I said, the Terry McCosker interview on the regenerative journey. And anything that Dr. Patrick McManale has had stuff to do with um, is definitely somewhere for people to look.
1: Yeah, I'll put those names up there for you.
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask you that, Cindy. Um, Charlie, just a very quick question before we come to the close. I appreciate there's lots of potential challenges and limitations for farmers that are thinking of transitioning into more regenerative farming. And so I would dare say, and the reason why we've got you on here is you would be one of the greatest support and resources, not only with your podcast, but with all the education and the information that you have But as a person who's not a farm girl, and I'll be honest, I don't understand a lot of it at all. I just really appreciate my farmer's markets and have a real love and desire to support those beautiful souls. But just out of curiosity, if a farmer was listening to this or a farmer's family was listening and they went, let's do this. What is the length of time it takes from being in a conventional farm to turning that farm into a regenerative, maybe even organic farm? Is is it possible, first and foremost, and how long does it take?
0: Well, it's definitely, definitely possible. Um, and, it, it, look, it's a case-by-case case thing. I, I, I wouldn't be game to sort of say, you know, start here and in X amount of time you'll be, you'll be there. Um, it depends on your budget. It depends on your mindset. It depends on the amount of land, what you want to grow, you know, what, you, what you've got to stop doing, what you've got to start doing. Um, as I said what I mentioned before, you know, the first place is to change the paddock between your ears. You know, it's about having different paradigms and really sincerely wanting to give it a shot. Um, and I as I might have also said, to do, do it slowly. You know, start with little bits. If you if you're if you have a farm and you're doing conventionally, then don't go cold turkey. You know, try a little area, experiment with a little paddock here, or you know, some different treatments for this and that, and start um, start slowly. Um, maybe don't change your budget even. Just sort of allocate. A, you know, take a bit of money out of the, what you might allocate to, products and fertilisers, and apply okay. that to, um, uh, you know, like a, a biological or the biodynamic sort of, sort of thing, um, and and just take it, take it very, take it very slowly, and and you know, it's the time it takes will depend on the size and, and the budget mainly, um, but the good news is that you know. You will see you will see progress. You know um, your costs will probably come down because you're not probably buying as much stuff to put on the land. Um, your um, the food you produce will improve without a doubt. Um, but you do. It's not just about removing all the chemicals and not doing anything else. You will, I suspect, you know, I suggest strongly that, that people consider putting something. You know, start composting, um, uh, whether it's small scale, large scale. Um, you know, use biodynamics, use biologicals. Look at everything you can get your hands on to um, explore. It's not like, oh, if I stop doing chemical spraying, it's all going to be fine. There's, You know, you still got to have inputs on a farm and it's just a matter of how you reallocate what those, imp- those, uh, those inputs are. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's no there's no, sil- there's no silver bullet. And, and that's it. it isn't the silver bullet. Just because you, you know, sort of turn your farm into re- more of a regenerative farm, it doesn't mean you're going to make, bazillions more money there's no guarantee of that you you may well you know but it's also important to know that it, it also it's still going to depend on your budget and your the structure of your business and your discipline and your you know the, the system you have in place um that's 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 really important too so no, no clear answer there kim but ho- hopefully might give people some some um uh, some, some motivation to, to to give it a shot um, and step into it, and, and it does it does it does require some courage and trust, absolutely.
2: And food for thought. Excuse the pun.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs>
2: um, as we come to a close, you know, we could listen to you all day, and we would love to be in this with you and your beautiful uh, champion in the in the background there, cheering you on. I know. Oh, no, great, no it's been a real treat to listen and to hear the love and the and the love. But, Charlie, for people to follow you, they can listen to your amazing podcast, The Regenerative Journey. You've got your webinar series coming up, Explore Regeneration Agriculture. I think that's what it was called, Regenerative Agriculture. We can follow you at charliearnott.com.au. But as a close, your final message to the beautiful Up For A Chat listener and perhaps a book or a podcast that's having a big impact on you at the
0: moment. Mm. Um, Well, uh the the certainly the podcast i mean there's so many great ones out there cindy alluded to one um you know anything anything by um uh um, robert um uh bobby kennedy jr anything that he's on i'm loving what he's up to right now yeah. um he wasn't joe rogan recently that was just mind exploding um Zach bush is also someone anyone that's um uh familiar with him or would like to know a lot sort of you know the connection between human health and and um uh, environment and, and farming and food i interviewed him um in the previous series um and Books I'm reading actually just a just a bit of not light reading but wonderful reading is I just that, is um, Kings and Grass Castles by Mary Durack. It's just oh. fascinating the history of, yeah. of pastoralism in Australia and the family. And you know one of them lived Burra where we are and nearby Goulburn and then they went to sort of you know southwest Queensland and and up into the up into the Kimberleys. It's just it's just a reminder of the pioneering spirit of those people and my God they had some challenges. You know we think we did but but we, we, don't, we don't have any, any, anywhere near the challenges that they they had.
1: No, I agree with you. I love that book. I read that when I was travelling around Australia 20 years ago and um, I was up in the Kimberleys and it was absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah, so you, you've been up there and seen all, the, all of the, um, where did you go up there?
1: Uh, all across the Kimberleys. This is 23 years ago. Charlie. Oh, you, um, must have been, you must have been. <laughs> so, yeah, teenager. we went all through the Kimberleys, Kananara, up through the Mitchell Plateau to the Mitchell Falls.
0: Wow. Oh,
1: um, yeah, I saw all the chia being um, grown um, oh, wow. over to Lake Argyle. Yeah, we mm. we saw it all, but I was reading that book, and so I was able to retrace some of the steps that those guys did. Perfect. Um yeah, uh, and, and in that book, it was fantastic. Yeah, I agree with you. Fantastic book.
0: Yeah, it's a good little, you know. I've been reading sort of, you know, self help, self development, blah blah blah. You know, business motivation It's like, oh, I just want something that's it's a pretty much an autobiography, isn't it? You know, yeah. And, and and relevant, really relevant to Australians, I think. But um, yeah, that's hope that answered your question there, Kim. Just a you know, a couple of little things there. I'm enjoying at the moment.
2: Well, I absolutely loved it, and you can now, our listener, understand why it was so important for us to have this exquisite soul on up for a chat, Charlie Arnott. Thank you so much for your time, Cindy, and I will continue our boy crush on you, and we want to thank you for being part of the show.
0: Loved it. We've got the bit of the girl girl crush is going on now too, so um, the feeling <laughs> mutual, and loved loved having a chat with you both. It's been a lovely, Thanks, lovely, Charlie. I'll be time. Time for a quick break on Up for a Chat to share our favorite products.
2: One of Charlie's comments today was acknowledging and honoring the paddock between your ears. And something I am super passionate about is supporting people to go on a transformative journey into their own paddock between their own ears and mastering that. So the Essential Self Mastery Program is a 15-week online journey where you get to achieve personal growth change mindsets if required, but also enhance your holistic well-being. We use things like neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, the exploration of the four temperament personalities, and harnessing the potent properties of pure essential oils. This program offers a comprehensive approach to nurturing the mind, body, skin, and soul. It is led by me. We kick off at the very end of August. If you're interested in being a part of the Essential Self Mastery online program that is literally transforming lives and the paddock between your ears, then please reach out to KimMorrison.com. That's KimMorrison.com.
1: We also discussed the Festival of Food and Farming, so I want to give you some information on this. This is the inaugural one that we are doing on the Changing Habits Farm in Reesville on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. It starts on Wednesday, the August the 30th, which is a, a, a Wednesday, like I said, um, to Saturday, September 2nd. What you'll be learning is you'll have Charlie and Hamish for two days and learn introduction to biodynamics you will understand as much as you need to do in order to start doing biodynamics either on your farm or on your garden it doesn't matter what size or scale you are Then we have Stuart Andrews, which we also spoke about on natural sequence farming and holding water on the land and managing your land. We will also be doing Syntropics with Rob Wyborn and Brogan O'Meara, my son, will be doing cell grazing, animal husbandry, as well as soil ecology. And we have the most amazing Scott Robinson, who was our first consultant on the farm for two years who will be doing worm farming and composting. So I'm very excited for it. There's only a couple of tickets left. uh, And so if you want to learn more about it, just go to, you can just Google actually the Festival of Food and Farming and it should come up or go to thenutritionacademy.com and look for the Festival of Food and Farming. Look forward to seeing you there.